0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Show. Um, Here with you is, as always, uh, myself, Steve, and everyone's favorite A-list host and co-host, Brett Joseph. Uh, We're joining you here. It's Sunday, December 4th. We are almost officially uh, a month through the season, and we're really, really excited to break down what we saw in the last week today. We've got acc big 10 challenge to talk about we've got conference games to talk about we've got some uh, juicy games next week that we're going to preview for you um yeah so uh, brett how are you feeling about a month through the season here
1: um you know i think i'm feeling a little bit better than actually a lot
0: better than i would have anticipated uh
1: heading into the season and i know we've kind of covered this last couple weeks but i i said i've I think we can pretty much pretty accurately say that the overwhelming sense of kind of ha- quality in the Big Ten was good to very good, but not great. And, you know, this conference might be a little bit better than we expected so far from a from a top to bottom basis. So, yeah, you know,
0: we we, a- we got some wacky results this week. I think both of us were feeling optimistic about how the conference performed in the MTEs over the week of Thanksgiving. I would say I was maybe less optimistic after seeing how they performed in the challenge this week, but then we we got some interesting results this weekend. So this stuff's changing by the day, but let's get right into it. We were planning when, I think when we were planning the show, we were originally intending to start off talking about the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We're going to start off talking about that very shortly. But before we do that, The question that everyone's asking, Brett, is Nebraska back? I mean, it looks like they got perhaps the biggest win of anyone in the conference this year so far going into Creighton and winning. And I know that's not a uh, it's not necessarily a crazy road game, given it's in the state of Nebraska, but Creighton's looked like a Final Four team all this year. And I don't think anyone saw this coming. Uh, But Nebraska won in there and won today. Brett, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Without a doubt, an incredibly impressive win for Fred Hoiberg and and his Crew of uh, uh, Cornhuskers, so it is. It is interesting. This cause this kind of hits Creighton. They've lost three in a row now. But besides this Nebraska team, they were the top twenty teams uh, and, in in tougher environments, both in Maui and and uh, away at Texas. Um, and you know we can we can save the referendum on Creighton for for a later podcast. But I think the interesting thing is that Fred Hoiberg's teams have never. I mean, maybe once or twice, but have rarely, if ever, won games with defense. And that's exactly what happened against Creighton today. I mean, we're talking about a Creighton team that was, uh, you know, top top 20 in, in offensive efficiency in the country this, this year. It's by, again, a Nebraska team that is not known for its defense at all. So I think, you know, if, if nothing else, that's a sign that Hoiberg had an idea of how to win this game, and that was get them stuck in the mud, kind of bring them down and, and make it a, a street fight of sorts and use – Post play and Sam Grisel to to carry him to a win, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, Grisell had what 18, 12, and seven, so he was three assists away from a triple double. Derek Walker kind of with uh, with uh, Kalkbrenner in the post, which is really surprising because Kalkbrenner is a hell of a defender. Uh, on his and Walker ended up with twenty two points. Throw in a couple, you know, a, a double digit game from Jawan Gary, and I mean. They were able to slow it down. They were able to get stops when it mattered. And when they when Creighton punched, Nebraska was able to punch back despite shooting 25% from three. And I guess Cre- Creighton did two on 40 attempts, and and that's how you're going to beat this Creighton team. And I just held an effort. I, you know, most team, we would have assumed to be an, an overmatched Nebraska team heading into this game.
0: Yeah, so you know, I, I think you hit on basically everything there. The but but moral of the story is I think the context is important here, right? Creighton's played a really, really tough schedule and they had some success, especially in Maui, but is you know, starting to you're, you're starting to see the impact of that schedule on them this, this past week in in dropping a few and um it felt like maybe they were limping to the finish line here. So the context of that matters. But um point being for Nebraska, you know, a win's a win. This is gonna be a win that is like hugely impactful for them if, like, they even even are breathing anywhere towards any sort of like postseason opportunity when we get to the end of the season. The great win for Fred Hoiberg, who's trying to turn their program around and hasn't really had that much success doing that over the last couple of years. So, um, great win for the conference as well. Now, flipping to the challenge. So, um, I think the new, first off, the news broke. Uh, Probably just after we released this last week that this year was going to be the last ACC Big Ten challenge um, after its 23 year existence. So that being another, um, I guess, uh, I don't know what the word is, but um, another sacrificial lamb of all this conference realignment and all this stuff. But now that debate on another day, as as far as I think, you know, we'll talk about the talk about the results, I think. Big picture first, and then maybe we'll dive into some of the games, but I would say overall, I think a disappointing performance for the conference in it. Some some good outcomes. I mean, Indiana looked good in their in their win over North Carolina. Um, Illinois looked dominant in their win over Syracuse. You know, Maryland and Purdue took care of business. Um, And and we're going to talk about Maryland a little bit more. But, you know, those um, undefeated teams both held serve on the road. You know, so I, I think those are probably you know the the positives for the conference. You had Michigan State and Ohio State losing in tough road environments. You had Michigan losing a a, a tight matchup against Virginia, in which they held well but still lost. Um, and then kind of on the more disappointing end of things, I think Northwestern is probably at the top of the list, especially after sort of positive momentum they they built off there near upset of Auburn, you know, Wisconsin drop a close one too. I think Brett, where are you at as far as just your overall view on how the conference performed in the challenge?
1: I think, yeah. I, I mean, you kind of, kind of hit, hit what we, what we were talking about. I mean, the, the, the top teams were found ways to win uh, for the most part. And, uh, you know, there were, there were a couple of disappoint. I'd say, I'd say overall it's, it's kind of average uh, to borrow a, a favorite term of ours. And, I think that it it, it, it kind of played out along what we expected, right? Like asking Ohio state to go into Cameron after coming back from Maui was always going to be a tall order. And I honestly came away relatively impressed, at least for most of the game with how they handled themselves. I mean, this is a Duke team that's very, very, very talented and is likely a, a title contender and, you know, Ohio state fought and, and kind of used their experience to, to kind of keep it close for a bit and, you know, I think the, the bigger disappointment there in terms of like tough road environments was was uh, Michigan State kind of getting boat raised by a Notre Dame team that's not very good and only plays six players. Um, I mean, Cormac Ryan went nuts. He had 23 points uh, and Michigan State just did not shoot well, uh, kind of across the board. They, you know, weren't were able to force turnovers and kind of didn't play as good of a defense as we've seen. I think that was another game where we saw the absence of Malik Hall really uh be an issue but I mean Notre Dame got out to a 21 to 8 lead and it never really looked back from there. So I think you know we'll, we'll we'll see how how Michigan State handles that. For Michigan they were able to really put up a good fight against a Virginia team that's another title contender in my opinion. Um I think that the actually the the, the game plan the execution was a little bit less. I think Joanne actually drew up a pretty good game plan for attacking the, the pack line. On defenses, kind of we had talked about, and it, you know, so I losing by home, losing at home to Virginia by three is not embarrassing by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think Michigan's running out of time to get quality non-conference wins, but that's probably a different conversation. Uh, Wisconsin basically let Tyree Appleby go nuts for Wake Forest. He had uh a lot of points. I think at one point in uh, uh 13 straight for Wake Forest down the stretch in the second half that that kind of lifted them over the top. Um. And on the other hand, you had Illinois just wiping the floor of Syracuse, not a very good Syracuse team, but a, you know, a, a good road win nonetheless. Uh, and you had you had Maryland, Purdue and in, in Indiana really taking care of business, although none of those mat, none of those wins will probably look as good as we would have expected coming into this game. Still good to get these power five wins for for some of these teams.
0: Yeah. And so I, I think if really when you again zoom out and, and look at this holistically, I mean, I think when you're looking at why the big 10 did not win the challenge i mean it, it, it at the end of the day I, I think it's really only a couple of things that didn't go right a I, you know i i think we were probably counting on northwestern to beat pit and i mean i think that was honestly in my opinion that might have been the most shocking outcome of any of the games that took place and and i think you know even just again looking at kind of at the middle of the conference i think you'd maybe hope that either one of, you know, Clemson, uh, Penn state going into Clemson and Rutgers going into Miami would have turned the big Ten's way. And I think, you know, you also, you look at Rutgers, I'm sorry, you look at Michigan state, Notre Dame, Ohio state, Duke, and Michigan, Virginia, you know, had the big 10 gotten one of those, you know, and Northwestern, like, I I think a lot went right. I think for the ACC is the the point that I'm trying to make here. Um, And so, You know, again, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a sample size of the conference in a, you know, three-day point in time, which, you know, may be indicative of something larger, maybe not, but um, I don't know that I would overreact too much, uh, just because I think, yeah, I, I don't know, it's not to say, you know, some real concerns with some of these teams, that I think flashed itself in these games, like you know, Northwestern one in particular, where there's a lot of optimism going into this weekend, you know, that's been. Uh, well, I guess we'll hold that thought as we as we talk about what happened later in the week for them. But you know that that was obviously not a good outcome. You know, and the Wisconsin outcome probably a little bit disappointing at it home, and even even for Michigan, you know, in a uh, as you mentioned, they drew up a good game plan. They're they're probably going to be looking back on that come selection time as a huge missed opportunity. given they had a double-digit lead in that game. Anything else on the challenge you wanted to call out? i I don't know that we can really draw any any huge conclusions um either
1: way, which I think is fine, especially at this point in the season. but I am sad that it this is the last iteration of of the challenge I've been been watching it since I was a kid, and I'm sure you have too and uh it's it's, it's a bummer that the t v deals have necessitated this change, so I'm interested to see what happens next
0: for sure um okay, moving into the weekend then. Um, conference play kicked off um, with a big game in College Park uh, uh, on Friday night. And that, in some ways, felt like deja vu of last year. Um, but in a lot of ways, it wasn't because these are, in, in many ways, two completely different teams. But I guess before we get into the X's and O's, I mean, I think a lot of us were waiting to see whether Maryland's for real. I mean, I think the answer after getting a, a win like this is, is yes, right? I, I would agree with that statement. Uh, so I, I guess just looking at this in the larger context for Maryland moving forward, I mean, uh, it should should we be putting them in the top quarter of the conference when, you know, we're thinking about how we view them, uh, both as like an opportunity for other you know, teams in the middle of the pack to get, you know, resume quality wins, but also, you know, were we just really, really wrong in terms of where we slotted them in the preseason? I mean, if you're looking by numbers, we were very wrong. Um, I,
1: It's always difficult, and, and I think we talked about this kind of at length as much as we could when we were doing the Maryland preview. It's always hard to gauge what a new coach is going to bring in terms of energy, effort, a new offensive system that some of the players might not fit, uh, just kind of all of these things. And I am a little worried uh, about depth still. I think that... Right right now, Maryland's playing their bench just under thirty percent of the time, Uh, so they are two hundred twenty eighth in the country in bench minutes, and I think that might come back to be an issue uh, as we kind of grind as we continue the the Big Ten grind. But um, you know, we can only talk about what we've seen so far out of this Maryland team, and and what we have seen is is extremely impressive. Um, You know, they're they're winning games when they score a lot of points, they're winning games When they score a lot fewer points. They're real. they're, they're in the top 35 in both offense and defense per Ken Palm. They're not turning the ball over a lot. And it really seems like they're, they're helping themselves out in that regard. You know, they're not making dumb plays and losing close games. They're, you know, they're out fighting teams and, and really kind of just winning. They're winning, they're winning games and it's, they're beating good teams. And I think that's a really good sign you know their their transfers have kind of slotted in perfectly. We've we've been seeing a really good season out of Jameer Young, uh, and Hart Scott and Reese have all continued to get better. Um, so I think there's a lot of cause for optimism, maybe a little cautious optimism, but optimism in College Park.
0: Yeah, I, I think you know a lot of people in Maryland probably would have said like, look, you you get us a a coach that's maybe a little bit better at at game planning, and um, you know, I, I think we talk a lot about I think Turgeon and just um things not really clicking there. Um, it, it's definitely evident that, you know, the new energy that Kevin Willard has brought there is get a lot of optimism around the program. They have a lot of energy and it, it feels like they're they're finally doing a little things right um, to prove that they can, as you mentioned, not just win when all things are clicking, but win ugly. So we will see what happens when they hit their first bit of adversity. But um, for now, they're off to a really, really fast start. Other results from this weekend, another big upset on Saturday. Um, and maybe calling this an upset isn't fair, but Rutgers took down Indiana in at the rack in like what was another like, Rutgers-esque like game where they held Indiana to just over 30 30 percent from the, the field. Uh, they did enough to slow down Trace Jackson Davis um, and got effective minutes um, really from Caleb McConnell who's who's come back now and he's looking a lot like the the guy that he looked like last year. Um so Rutgers gets gets that win to prove that you know it's they're still gonna be a tough out at home. Wisconsin also gets a solid win against Marquette, you know, and and maybe in just wrapping up the uh the, the conference session from the weekend, the other real shocker is Northwestern going into East Lansing for the second year in a row. We're seeing a lot of history repeating itself. Northwestern going into East Lansing for the second year in a row and winning. Um, you also had Purdue beating Minnesota on Sunday. We talked about the Nebraska game and then Michigan loses their London game and Kentucky in a tight one. I know we're not going to be able to hit on all these in a certain time that we have, but, but yes, initial thoughts, maybe on, on Rutgers and Northwestern and what were probably the most shocking outcomes of the weekend.
1: Yeah. I think, I think with Rutgers, I mean, they needed, they needed Mulcahy. They needed McConnell back. I don't think they're always going to be, be this, this good. And also hood Shafino being out for, for Indiana kind of limited some of the ability uh, as they they shot with the exception of Miller cop shot horribly from, from three and really kind of couldn't generate the, the offense we're seeing. But yeah, I mean, so I, so I think, I mean, I think Rutgers is probably a little bit better than they've played so far. I think Indiana, obviously not as bad as they are in that game, but there's, there's some, there's still some shooting woes with that lineup and uh, they're, they're going to need to figure that out. Uh, With Northwestern, I mean, I definitely did not see this one coming, especially after, as you said, they just got, I mean, they were never even in that game against a dreadful pit team. Uh, And again, you know, the, the, Michigan State not having Malik Hall hurts, but at the end of the day, they've played without him for for at least a week now and, and they kinda gotta gotta know what's going on. And they wasted a really good game from uh from A.J. Haggard, who ended up with uh twelve, six and eight. So he was he was on triple double watch too. I mean, we've we've talked about how Northwestern's gonna go as far as their guards go, and Bowie, Berry and, and Audige combined for uh what? 31, 40, 46 out of their 70 points. So, you know, those guys were having, having good games, being effective, you know, the turnovers were not really a problem for them. And I, we had kind of talked about this, right? This was kind of what we had joked about at the beginning of the season where it was like, oh, Northwestern will come in maybe even undefeated, which, you know, didn't happen. But at, at five and two and then with Michigan State and everyone will kind of have that conversation again. It's like, is this team good? Are they not? They're definitely not bad, but. I think this one had more to do with, with Michigan State kind of shooting themselves in the foot and then, then Northwestern really coming out and taking it.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, we talked about talk about this theme a lot, but, you know, Northwestern has roster continuity on their side, but so does Michigan State. And so um, I, I, I I just have the feeling that Northwestern's going to keep stealing due to these games on roster continuity alone, but, like, can they avoid the brutal, you know, season-killing, losing streak that plagued them last year. I think we were, we were talking about a lot of these same things last year with them um, in terms of, you know, what their strengths are and what they need to do to win games. I don't know that the story is that different from them. They just need to show it and bring it on a day-to-day basis. Will they do that? I, I wouldn't think on it. Um, but you, you, you see what they're capable of, at least here. Um, And I think with Michigan State, you just have to start asking about, you know, their consistency, right? Like, you know, they're going to be in every game. They've proven they can compete with the best in the country. And then they, have I think, you know, this week, especially when you look at um, losses to (laughs) Notre Dame and Northwestern, those, I mean, they're going to have enough good quality wins where probably we're not, they're not sweating out selection Sunday. But these are ones that, you know, are, are, (laughs) almost more damaging than the good wins are helpful. So it'll be interesting to play that game come tournament time. In in the time that we have remaining here, we'll flip to what's to come in the week ahead. So uh, first on Tuesday, we've got the Jimmy V Classic featuring two Big Ten teams. Um, We've got Illinois uh, taking on Texas and Iowa taking on Duke. And then we also have a really good conference matchup where Maryland travels to Madison um, in, in what probably will be their first tough to true road environment. I, you know, I, I guess, you know, for, for me, like, I don't know that we need any more validation that like Illinois is for real, but this is just another, I think, good opportunity. Um, A for them to have the national spotlight, for them to respond from uh, that tough performance in Maryland um, and see how they can match up with Texas guards. Um, and and then I think Iowa, you know, we, we really still don't know if they're for real or not. I mean, I think you know, we're both surprised that they've, they've started off as well as they have. Um, they don't have the horsepower to hang with Duke, but I think we see just how well their offense can hang up. This is a good, I think, how real are you for Iowa? Um, Brett, want to take the Wednesday games? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I think we've got two more interesting uh, two more interesting conference games on Wednesday. We've got Michigan State, Penn State, and then Nebraska, Indiana. So I, I think both both teams have uh, – or both games have some interesting kind of rebound or or letdown potential. Uh, I think, you know, we're going to – if you're a Michigan State fan, you're going to want to see, you know, a bounce back after, after two disappointing losses on the season. And are, are, are the guys going to keep – for Michigan State, are they going to be able to hit shots and kind of – break down Penn State's defense while also limiting um Penn State because again like that's a Penn State team that's still shooting really well from 3 uh they're still I believe top 15 in the country in the 3 and so Michigan State's going to really want to focus on on running guys off that line and making them making them attack um and having that game at Penn State you know hopefully there's a little bit more excitement around the program now and it's not your average empty Bryce Jordan Center game, but so I'm 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 interested to see how, how Michigan State responds. Um, you know I I think the the combination of all although Haggard did come off the bench today against Northwestern, but uh and Walker really still his play is working pretty well. Um, getting Jaden Nakins back helped, so hopefully he can be a little less rusty after this game. Uh, and then when we when Nebraska Indiana obviously like huge potential letdown spot for Nebraska. Um, coming off one of their biggest wins in, in quite some time going to Indiana, who's obviously looking to rebound after the tough loss to Rutgers. Um, you know, the Trace Jackson Davis, Derek Walker matchup is going to be, going to be something I've got my eye on. Um, and especially looking to see how Indiana tries to slow down Griselle. Um Jalen Huchofino's health is going to want to be monitored. Um, and I think if, if Indiana is going to look to get more consistent
0: guard play, because
1: uh, it, it was pretty rough in that game against Rutgers.
0: All right, the Thursday game. So, this is really shaping up to be a tough week for Iowa. Um, So, after that clash with Duke on Tuesday, they turn around and host in state rival Iowa State, which is always a dramatic game to say the least there. So, um, yeah, they do that. And then on on Sunday, they play Wisconsin. So, we're really going to learn about them over the course of the the week here. I don't know, not much to say on that other than that. Um, Rutgers takes on Ohio State. I similarly to what you're looking at in Indiana and Nebraska, I'm looking down low at Zed Key and Cliff Omoruri, that matchup as sort of Ohio State still somewhat searching for their identity, especially on the perimeter. You know, um, Justice Suing has, you've seen the flashes, hasn't, hasn't been great. We talked about Bryce Sensenball last last year. You know, Zed Key really helps anchor them down low there. But, you know, he, he's going to have his hands full with Omoruri on both ends of the floor. And, um, they're really going to have to find a way to win one-on-one matchups and make shots, even though it's a home game. I, I, that's that's a really really tough matchup for the Buckeyes. And then uh, Michigan goes to Minnesota. So we talked. Uh, you mentioned, I think, particular about their resume. That is kind of a sneaky, sneaky tough game where they're coming off a two-game losing streak. They have to go out there and and get an early conference road win, coming off. You know, just playing a game in London, I think that's that's going to be really, really tough. Um, but we'll see what they're made of. They've looked a lot more competitive um, against good teams over the last couple of games compared to not looking very good against bad competition to start off the year. Um, the f- uh, Saturday, do you want to take those three games?
1: So first we've got Penn State. Illinois uh, for I guess first talking about conference games Penn State Illinois is the first one Uh, and so I think there again you're looking at Illinois' bevy of wings to run Penn State off the three-point line and make them more active kind of in the paint Uh, I think we're going to look for Coleman Hawkins to keep his his strong run of play going he had a triple double against Syracuse followed it up with 16 points against Maryland and seems to be hitting his stride so I think I think looking to get him established uh, again on offense against Penn State will be key uh, and then you know, see if if uh, Terrence Shannon can continue his run of play as well. Uh, Purdue Nebraska is going to be very interesting. Um, I mean, Zach Eady, I, even though we we heaped tons of praise on him last week, his his game against Minnesota was was fantastic today, and I just I don't really see how Nebraska is going to stop him. Um, so because I, I think he'll be able to shut down Derek Walker as well. So I I think that. I mean, Nebraska is going to have to hit a lot of threes and Purdue's comfortable playing that kind of slow stuck in the mud sort of game in a way that Creighton was not. So Nebraska's going to have to shots. We're really going to depend on, on Griselle and and Tominaga and their other shooters to, to light it up and give them a chance against a strong, very strong Purdue team. That's playing about as well as they can right now. And then finally we go out to Vegas on Saturday, uh, Arizona, Indiana, um, should be a very interesting team game between two teams that have shown themselves to be uh somewhat vulnerable this week. Um, you know, their Indiana obviously coming off their loss to to Rutgers, Arizona uh got blasted by Utah uh on the road this week uh before taking care of business against Cal. I think that Indiana has to really make sure that they're not uh getting beat in transition. That's that's how Arizona really really hurts a lot of teams. And making their, making their shots and making their threes especially will go a long way to stopping that Arizona transition attack. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle the length and athleticism of, of Arizona's defense.
0: And then finishing us off, we also have a really good Sunday slate. So in the Hall of Fame Invitational, uh, Maryland takes on Tennessee. So another opportunity against a really, really strong opponent for Maryland to prove if they're real. I expect Maryland's going to get adversity um, for the first time really this year. Um, but I would actually, I would expect the Maryland fans to show up in droves in Brooklyn there. And I just expect that to be a great environment. So again, we'll learn a lot about what this Maryland team is made of over the course of the next week here. Also got Wisconsin um, going to Carver Hawkeye. We, we talked about that and this being a really tough three game week for Iowa. Also, got the Battle of New Jersey, Seton Hall taking on Rutgers. Um, that's actually, you know, Rutgers should should win that game, um, just given that Seton Hall's in sort of more of a transition phase um, with Kevin Willard now at Maryland. So, you know, look for Rutgers to capitalize there. And then, uh, you know, a rematch of a game that was played last year. Just want to call out this Mississippi State Minnesota team, uh, Minnesota game. Mississippi State's 8 0. Um, haven't played the toughest of schedules, but. Uh, again, a really good opportunity for Minnesota, who's had, I think, um, you know, an up and down start to the season to say the least. They get an opportunity to put, pick up a, a solid non-conference win to cap out the weekend. So, um, anyway, we, we've taken you through a lot of information here. Uh, things will start to slow down over the holidays, but they they won't be slowing down this week. So, um, we'll be with you to recap what. Um, is going to be another exciting week of Big Ten basketball. And thank you as always for tuning in. Take care and have a good week.